Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. How are you doing today? Um, it's kind of been a busy day. Yeah, um, we celebrated my niece's first birthday. So I just got back from that. Nice. Is she the one I met at your fundraiser? Yeah, she would have been there. Like baby. But she baby. was tiny. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> she was like only like a month old, a little over a month. And you are well past one month. You're more like two years post-transplant. How does that feel? Well, um, I I mean, I, I definitely overall like feel much improved because compared to how I was both mentally and physically before transplant i you know struggled a lot every day but now my struggles are different you know it because it's not about it's not about my um you know like am i going to be able to make it you know through this situation or this environment or even the cognitive portion you know Am I typing this email right? Am I saying the right things? I have so much brain fog. I don't feel like I know where I'm at. You know, all of that's gone. Wow. So, yeah. So it's like just trying to, you know, now my stressors are just normal life stressors. Not the disease. Right. Not not the disease itself or worrying about that or worrying about, am I going to wake up tomorrow and not be able to walk or talk or see, or, you know, Mm. any of those things, you know? Yeah. Because it was kind of that daily wondering, at least for me, right? Like, yeah. Especially at nighttime before I fell asleep. It was hard to say yes. because I was constantly fretting over yes. what will tomorrow be? Yes. What is going to, what's going to be happening to me tomorrow? Yep. So now I wake up and uh, I still have some physical issues. My, although, you know, like my walking and stuff is, getting better um my right leg still has its bad days i guess you could say sure so you know um and then the numbness and tingling stuff you know i've been struggling with that so you know that just it's more of an annoyance because you know i feel like that i should be able to do more like i'm like okay i don't I don't have all these other issues going on. The 
the disease is halted. I, I, why am I not seeing like more improvement, you know, but that's just me being hard on myself. Right. Because, because it's not the promise, right? It's not. Right. It's a not a promise. Right. It's not. But I have had some people at work about a week and a half ago. I kind of was being a little mopey in the office. And one of my coworkers said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'll be okay. I said, I'm just aggravated because my leg just isn't moving like smoothly today. And, you know, I'm just, I just want to be at a certain point and I'm not there and I just get aggravated. And she goes, now stop. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And she's like, you have to remember where you were at like three years ago. And she goes, I remember. I remember how you struggled in this office, how, you know, sometimes you're, you didn't navigate very well. You were very slow. You looked different. Your physical appearance was, you know, very, you looked very drained. It, you know, it just wasn't good. And she goes, and I see you now and I see a totally different person. Wow. So I'm like, well, thanks. Yeah, that's said, so right. neat to hear. Yeah. I said, I did need to hear that. And I said, I know that I'm just hard on myself because, you know, I am very optimistic that, you know, I... I will be much better, even though there's not that guarantee, because I try to look for ways to improve my well-being and, and how I am every day. Like, I try to improve that every day. And before, I was just trying to avoid decline. Mm. You know, I was, a, I, try, I was just trying – I spent every day a lot of energy – trying to figure out what to do so that I didn't get any worse. Mm. Now I'm spending, you know, my day trying to figure out how can I, what can I do to be better, to give my body the opportunity to repair itself, to improve itself, to, Talk you know. Talk about transformation. Yeah. That so, must be liberating. You know, I mean, how does that feel for you? Uh, it, I mean, it. when I sit here and talk about it, you know, it it does, you know, it it feels good. And like I would rather spend it, my time right focused on the positive and trying to improve rather than. Yes. It's almost like for me, it, it felt very desperate, like desperately yes. trying to hold on to any semblance of function and normalcy. And if it didn't happen one day, then it's like, okay, well, that's what I'll strive for tomorrow. And there was a lot of striving. Yeah. I think, I think what really hit me 
like when I was, when I got to where I kind of had like a rapid, I mean, I'll thank the Lord that it was short, you know, a short term, but in a very short period of time, I had a lot of decline, like so much that, you know, I had to start rethinking mm. everything that I was doing. And I think what really hit me the hardest is when I had to stop doing youth ministry. You know, when I had to make that decision to say, I, I, I know I can't do this anymore because of how I'm declining and, you know, there's a lot of positives that come along in youth ministry, but there's a lot of stressors that come along because, you know, you worry about kids and their families and things that are going on in their lives. And, you know, you try to do the right thing and you try to be there for them, but that there's a lot of uh, stress, a mm. lot of things that come along with that. For I mean, sure. not that I didn't, not that I didn't trust, you know, my job as a minister is to trust that God is going to fix that. It's not my job to fix it, but that doesn't mean that I'm not human. Right. And, and I don't worry about those situations or those people. And so you had to move away from youth ministry prior yeah. to how many years prior to transplant? Um, well, uh, that was, I made the final, I made the decision in December of 2016 and, um, and I'd say the second, the second thing that really was the big, well, I should say, uh, you know, the next hard part was when I had to stop driving a school bus, <laughs> You know, because that's what I did yeah. for income, you know, um, ministry, you know, doesn't well, the church that I was at, you know, really didn't have like a salary that I could live on. So I had to have another job. Well, working for the school system was perfect because when I when the kids were off, I was off, too. Right. That makes sense. So, yeah. So when I had to stop doing that. Uh, you know, that was like the second whammy, like, ugh, you know, sure. so, but there is, uh, I'm trying to think of what the, somebody had something posted on their wall. It was something about, well, I know I posted something even on my Facebook post. I put on there that it's, it's a verse. It's like the first verse from a song by Turn Wells. And it says, it's called Joy in the Morning, <laughs> where when the song first starts, it says, um, everything happens for a reason, but you don't know what you don't know. That's the truth. Yeah. And I didn't, I mean, now I understand why everything happened the way that it did. And like, even, you know, like where I'm at today. Uh, like I understand now when I look back, but at that time I wasn't seeing what, what good is going to come of this, mm -hmm. you know, for sure. What, 
what's the reason here? But I think that we all get that way when we go through something that's life-changing, life-altering, you know, something that hits us hard like that. It's hard to see when that's going on. It's hard to see, well, what's the good in this? Or the lessons, yeah, to be learned. Right. So, so well, you'd that, think I would know, you would think I have learned by now as an interviewer that I should start right. at the beginning, right? Or at least to say, right. welcome back, Dwayne. Uh, it's so <laughs> great to have you with us again to Thank you. talk through how you're doing at two years post HSCT because we first talked to you before you even went through HSCT as a hopeful because you were slated to be patient number one at Cleveland Clinic in the BEAT MS trial. Yeah. So So my um, how things have changed in just two years. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, things have changed a lot. I mean, um, MS Focus magazine did pick up my story. Fantastic. And published that in the winter 2022 edition, which would actually be the technically, technically the first edition for this year. That's awesome. So, yeah. And, um, so that was good, you know, just because a lot of the MS organizations don't really talk about HSCT. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was uh, good of them to publish and, and hopefully learn um, something. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that occurred, um, things have changed in like my job uh, that I've had added responsibility. I finally got certified as a data analyst. That's exciting. (laughs) I know I never would have done that pre- like with all the brain fog and everything I had, mm. I'd be, I'd be spitting out data that would, it's hard telling what it would look like. Right. <laughs> or even have like that capacity to, and motivation, right. To pursue right. that certification. That's fantastic. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's been kind of, um, it's been kind of exciting and, uh, People come to me at work and need, you know, like data out of our system. And, you know, I give them a hard time and I'm like, why do you even need this? You know, and I had uh, one lady, she said to me, she goes, oh, she goes, I'm sure you'll figure it out. She goes, I can tell you like to do this. Which I do. I mean, I enjoy working with the customers that I'm responsible for. Um, but I do like I, I do like data. Like I like finding out the whys. Like mm. because I mean, data is gonna give you the facts. You know, we make a lot of assumptions, but when you look at the hard data that's in our system, then you see a different story. Mm, for sure. It's like, yeah, you might have perceived it that way or thought that's what was going on. But this is what the numbers tell you. Yeah. Yeah. This is what the numbers actually say. So. 
so yeah, so that's been that's been a change for this year. And uh, I think the other thing, and you and I were talking about this uh, just the other day, mm. is that I have I've struggled with um, where I'm at as far as relationships with people in general. Um, people that I thought were more than an acquaintance, you know, like I would consider them to be a friend, mm. even if we don't speak every day, you know, just, you know, not, not knowing like really where they truly stand with everything that's happened because, you know, I know I made the comment to you the other day when we were talking, I said, you know, um, and I said it jokingly, but half-heartedly meant what I said. I was like, my five minutes of fame is done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not that I was looking to be famous or anything like that. That That isn't what I'm saying, but I just was with everything that I've been through and then being the first patient at Cleveland Clinic, I thought there would be more opportunity to educate you know the community and and other people that might be trying to put an end to their autoimmune disease mm. but it just seems like that sometimes i just feel like that no one really wants to listen and you know i've i've even tried to work hard to shorten my story so that they get the facts like quick facts and then like something might make them want to ask more questions, mm. then I can give them a bigger story, <laughs> you know, so not to bore them, I guess you could say. Well, not that your story ever interested. was boring. And, and I think no. maybe over time you also, as you tell the story, certain things continually ring true. And there are other things that you can, leave behind because maybe they're not as salient or as important. And so true. Yes. Hopefully people do continue to get interested and learn more. And maybe part of your um, <laughs> fall from fame, if you will, is just <laughs> that more people have been treated at the Cleveland clinic. And so there are others to reach yes. out to and other places that people are finding and learning about. And it can be overwhelming to navigate everything that's out there. And yeah, so you got that right. it's, I think it's super helpful for you to continue sharing your story to anyone who asks, but also serving as a talk to a warrior volunteer is awesome. Sharing your story on this podcast is super helpful for all of our listeners which, I mean, is a pretty big number worldwide. And I believe I yeah. showed you the map the other day. During we did our, talk about that. During our board meeting. I mean, people from all over the world are listening. And even though you may not see them or interact right. with them, your story is making a difference. So thank you for sharing it. Anytime. <laughs> so <laughs> let's go back to what led you to pursue HSCT for those who maybe have not heard your prior episodes, because 
it might also help them like rewind and, and go learn more. But to tell the story today is yeah. It, like, was everything in your mind now, is it still the same as it was then? Like in terms of pursuing HSCT, what really got you there? The main thing that got me there was the research that I did on my own. You know, I tell people all the time that they need to be their own advocate. Yes. Um, so many people just listen to whatever their doctor says. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't, but you need to do your own research. You need to make sure that the decision that you're making is what's best for you. So, because you're the one that's going to have to live with the decision mm, and the disease. So don't, yeah. So don't let somebody else make that decision for you. Make sure that they're making it with you. So, um, I started pursuing, um, HSCT just through researching stem cells and, seeing a lot of things that necessarily, like, as I investigated them no more, finding out that those really weren't, those things really weren't going to work. They might provide a temporary um, benefit, but not really going to halt anything or stop it. Mm. Um knowing the side effects and everything of all the medications that were out there. And then of course, cost, uh, you know, I wasn't really looking forward, you know, I'm like, do, is this really the best that we can do? Mm. You know, is this, you know, looking at where we are at with technology today, is this really the best option that is available for me you know, is this, you know, so am I going to have to just go ahead and plan, make my plan to figure out what to do as I progressively get worse, you know, um, and live with a lifetime of side effects? Like, is is that what I'm willing to do? Is, is that where I'm supposed to be? So, you know, um, Researching the stem cell thing led me to Dr. Burt's study. Mm. And I wish there's a part of me that maybe wishes that I would have had a more noticeable relapse earlier in my um, in my disease, because I think I would have pursued his study harder, but I didn't. <laughs> And I did follow um, some people that did pursue it. And um, and one person specifically helped me get in contact with the right people there. Mm. But when I really but by the time I started really pursuing it hard um, is when I found out that he was closing his study. Mm. I mean, I, I pretty much got accepted. Like I was told that I was a, you know, from everything that I had sent to them, um, that it, 
appeared that I was a good candidate and that if he was still doing his study, he would, you know, want to set up an appointment Mm. to see me, blah, 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 like start the whole process. But of course they said, you know, that he was closing his study to, you know, sum up, you know, everything that he's done. And of course he's wrote a book, right? Yeah. All the years of research. So then I was kind of like, yeah, where do I go? Now what? So then I turned to, you know, I really did do the diet thing hardcore. Um, It did make a difference, of course, until I had my minor car accident Mm. in December of 18. And um, and I start and I also when he said no, I knew there was the, the, you know, the hardcore chemo option out there. Mm. But there wasn't very many places that were really doing it at that time, but they were getting started. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I started looking in all of those areas. But in the meantime, the lady that I go to church with that kept pressing me to go to Cleveland Clinic, you know, of course, started pressing more. (laughs) She did not know that they were starting that study and I didn't know either. Isn't that incredible? But I did. Yeah. But I did go up there and meet with them and everything. And by the time I got in to see them, uh, which would have been in 2019, um, it was, uh, I found out maybe that that summer or was it towards the fall? Anyways, it was in 2019 is when I found out that they were going to do the BMS trial. They had not officially started recruiting people yet, mm. but they were um, they were in the process of, you know, getting ready to do that clinical trial. So when I had my flare in 2019, yeah, in 2019, uh, there was the whole mishap with my neurologist. Misunder- We're calling it a misunderstanding. There you go. And he wanted to make it right, which that was good of him. He, Indeed. You know, well, had you asked him about HSCT? I did. Yeah. And he, and he was not a fan. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay your place is getting ready to do this and you're not a fan. (laughs) How's that going to work? So, um, but anyways, he just didn't feel like that I was a good candidate because I had never taken any MS drugs. Right. That was his, that was really, I believe his main reason. You know, I wonder um, really who is behind that qualifier, right? I don't like, know. Who insists that we must fail these drugs before <laughs> we can be a candidate? I because, can tell you who I think it is, right? but I don't know that for a fact. I mean, why would you have that qualifier? Mm-hmm. You know, like I can understand. Let me, let me say it this way. I can understand having that qualifier if this was like extremely 
dangerous like it was in the beginning Mm -hmm. where they were still trying to figure it out. And the safety. Right. But it's been, I mean, it's the same thing they do for blood cancer for the last 50 years. Exactly. I'm like, okay, you, you all got this under control. You know how it works Mm -hmm. in a person that is otherwise healthy, right? except for the fact that they have MS. They have an immune system that is attacking it on the blink. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, you, you all have got this figured out now. There's even two versions of it now. You know, there's the Milo and the non-Milo. So I'm like, I, I don't know why we're still trying to qualify this. I, I really don't. Right. Maybe I'll ask Dr. Cohen when I go and see him next month. That'd be a great question. I know drugs, yeah. the drugs work for some people, but it still oh, yeah. baffles my mind that it's not more strategic in how they diagnose or they prescribe those drugs, right? They literally hand the patient several options to choose from. And that's right. like a roulette roll of the dice. Yeah. Like there has to be more strategy behind those initial recommendations for the drug. Like, at least in my case, those drugs made me so much worse. Yeah. So much worse immediately. Like there was no year plus of being okay on a drug and then not being, it was an immediate decline that only like the gas pedal was to the floor being right. on those drugs for just a year and a half. I remember you saying that. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You finally got connected. Because we could go on and on about Indeed that. Indeed we could. So yeah. you got connected because the initial doctor felt lousy about your experience. Yes. And and the misunderstanding that occurred. Yes. And yep. referred you to Dr. Cohen. Um, he actually let me choose. Oh. He said, this is what he said. He goes, I'll tell you what, to make this right, I will let you see any other neurologist in our office. You pick them. I will not reveal your records to them. We'll let them make their, you know, their own diagnosis, opinion, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, anyone? And he's like, yes, anyone. I said, okay, then I want to see Dr. Cohen. And then he got, he was like, "Uh, why do you want to see him? You know, like he didn't say that, but you could just tell by the silence. Mm. It was like, why him? Um, He did ask why him. And I said, because he's in charge of the clinical trial. And if someone's going to tell me I'm not a good candidate, then it can come from him. There you go. So I like to try and like, encourage people like don't don't rule yourself out. Let the doctors no. come up with their informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. And so you got to see Dr. Cohen and the rest is history. And the rest is history. At two years out. So... How is recovery going for you? What have been the things that you've tried? I know you've tried a lot of things and I love how open-minded you are about supporting yourself (laughs) in so many different ways. And so 
What would you say were those essential things that you feel like made a difference? Um, I think that continuing to be hard on myself and making myself stick to my clean eating diet, I think has Mm -hmm. been a big uh, success. Yes. I hate it when people are like, so now you can eat whatever you want. I'm like, no. Yeah. Nope. I know what causes inflammation and I stay away. Right. Exactly. So um, that I think has, you know, contributed a lot and then. um, And been worth it. Yes. And been worth it. And then I think the other thing is trying to make sure that I still get plenty of movement and exercise because I do have an office job and sit most of the day. Mm. Um, I did get a standing desk so that nice. I can make myself stand if if I find myself sitting too much. Um, so that's you know, been a change that I've made. And awesome. maybe at some point, like I've just left my standing desk up. So now yeah. I only sit if I find I've been standing too long. Yeah. Right. So it's that's a switch, right. Instead of yeah. standing when I feel like I can, it's like sitting when I feel like I need to. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is a good Maybe I should start doing it that way. It's just a different Just leave it standing (laughs) and only sit when I can't. I'm like, okay, I've stood as long as I can. Right. And and now I need to sit because I think you'll find, at least I have found, that I now can stand for longer periods of time. Yeah. But then sometimes I stand, like I'll start a meeting and it'll be an hour and a half long. And like by the end of it, I cannot wait to sit down. Yeah. But it's um, good practice. It is good practice. I I should I should start doing that. I'm I not saying Monday, you should, right? It's just I, a suggestion. I, I know, just... but it is a good suggestion. I never really I'm just saying I'm I didn't really think about it that way. Like instead of saying, Oh, I'm gonna sit here and when I feel like it I'll stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Uh, I'll go in and stand and I'll sit when I can't stand anymore. That's, mm-hmm. that's a much better way of doing it. I don't know that it is, but you can give it a try. Right. I can at least try it. So, uh, yeah. So that, you know, the, the movement, the exercise, making sure that that, uh, keeps happening. Um, oh, I did get to go, <laughs> I did get to go to Disney with my niece and nephew and my brother and uh, sister-in-law for a week. And um, although I didn't walk all over the park, it was nice to know that I could, Mm. you know, and it was hot. Yeah, that's amazing. It was so hot. But... Um, I did still use my cooling vest, mm-hmm. which I think helped um, just because I feel a certain way. Uh, like I can already tell the heat is affecting me because it makes me feel a certain way. Mm-hmm. I, I can't explain it. It's almost like a heaviness. It's weird. Um, so when I wear my cooling vest, it 
makes me have a lot more endurance. So, um, so yeah, I did pretty well. Um, even though before I even got to Florida, I fell off of a curb mm, and injured myself. Yeah. Had to go to urgent care. Mm. That was exciting. So that's how I started my vacation. Yikes. But I managed to make it through my vacation and had a good time. We had fun. That's awesome. So, so what about yeah. the chill zone? Maybe talk a little bit oh. about this cryotherapy you were doing and if you're still. Yes. Yeah, um, I I was doing the cryotherapy and um, it was the LED bed. And I do feel like that it also has helped with my recovery just because every time I would go, I noticed that when I would get out, I would have relief. I would. Um, and it would last for days. I I did have to go at least once a week. Sometimes I would try to go multiple times through the week. Um, it is kind of, it is a little bit out of the way from where I live and work. So it, it, it did get, it got kind of hard to keep up. Mm -hmm. And plus it's, I'm not going to tell you it's an inexpensive treatment. Right. It's, it's costly. Um, it is costly, but it was worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm willing to pay for something if it's worth it. Um, unfortunately, my car decided to, uh, say I'm done. Oh, right. <laughs> and so I had, I had to end up buying a car in the middle of the car shortage. Right. So I, you know, it's not like I got a deal on my car. Mm -hmm. All I can say is, is I didn't get overcharged. I I did flat out pay sticker and that was it. No mm -hmm. added charges. So but that's an expense that takes away from the money but you have yes, free to do things. Like right. Cryotherapy. So the money I was using to be able to go to the chill zone, I no longer had. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I haven't been since May of this year. And I, I'm not going to tell you it hasn't been a little rough because it has. Um, I know I was talking to you about that the other day, but but there's some there's some good to this too. Um, I started noticing that different things that I was experiencing were kind of mimicking hypothyroidism, mm. and I'm like. Okay, there's this great guy that keeps harassing me about getting my thyroid checked, <laughs> you know, and I've not really I've not had any like symptoms that have been like really crazy. So I've just kind of not really went and had it checked because I really didn't see a need to. Mm. But with these, I, I still do have sleeping issues and I do like the heaviness that I sometimes have in my legs uh, you know those are large muscle groups mm -hmm. and then of course my 
the side where I had shingles, you know, that, that those muscle groups are, I feel like are weaker than they were than before when I had, before I had shingles. Mm. So anyways, like all these large muscle group weakness issues combined with the lack of sleep. And I have been feeling a little more tired lately. I'm kind of like, okay, maybe I should go have my thyroid checked. Mm. Maybe there is something going on. So um, I my numbers were a little on the low side, but nothing to be concerned about. So that was um, okay, I guess. But I started once again doing my own investigating mm -hmm. and um, was reading some articles about people that have, or I should say experience, hypothyroidism type symptoms that, and it's people that are either vegan, like straight out vegan or people that, um, eat a lot of unprocessed foods. Hmm. So like the bread that I eat, it's, it, it's not enriched. It's mm -hmm. not fortified with this or that. It's just plain bread, unbleached flour, right. yeah. you know, very plain. So um, the articles actually were talking about how those people do not get enough iodine in their diet. Because, see, I also stopped eating eggs um, just because of some issues that I was having digestive-wise with those. Um, so I stopped eating eggs. I'm very bad about not eating a lot of like fish, which mm. is another place where you would get iodine. Mm. And then even though you can get iodine out of some greens, um, the greens that they mentioned was not anything that I really like. It wasn't like number one on my diet. Like mm -hmm. I, I didn't really eat those I eat other greens, but those greens really were not a great source of iodine. So I went to the health food store and I'm like, cause it's not going to hurt to take, you know, some type of supplement, you know, that would kind of help with that. So I went and talked to my friends, um, at the health food store and, uh, they were like, oh yeah, yeah, we got, it's a thyroid support and it mainly has iodine in it. Hmm. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, you can take this, but if you take it for longer than 30 days, you need to talk to your doctor about it. So um, I went and picked it up, uh, took the initial dose. The next day I felt like crap and I thought I made a huge mistake. Mm. I'm like, oh, I've messed up. <laughs> Maybe I should have talked to my doctor about this before I started taking it. Um. And I'm like, if I feel like this again, when I wake up on Sunday, I'm going to, I'll, I'll make an appointment with my doctor Monday or Tuesday or whatever. So I wake up Tuesday one, I slept pretty much all night, Saturday night into Sunday morning. Mm. I, I slept all night, only woke up one time to go to the bathroom, which had you not been sleeping before this, I had I have not, I've not had like a full night's sleep in like years. Oh. 
Yeah. I mean, and like the, when I had the HSCT done, like, you know, we talked about that whole, because they wake you up in the middle of the morning yes. to get your blood. Yes. Like you don't, yeah, you feel like that you never get out of that pattern. Mm -hmm. And I was starting to feel that way because they would come and get my blood around three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And to this day, when I wake up in the middle of the night, that's about, that's about what time it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it just seems like I cannot sleep <laughs> without waking up, you know, around that time. It's, it's crazy. That's so interesting. So, and we were not alone very... in that experience. Like so many people in that social hour shared the same yeah. thing. That was so nuts. Yeah. It's crazy. So, um, so I slept all that night and then when I got up and my feet hit the floor, I'm like, whoa, this is different. Mm. The numbness and tingling that I had in my feet is even to this day is still almost non-existent. Um, since the iodine supplements or before? Yes. Yeah. No, since the iodine supplement. Wow. And of course, having a lack of iodine can cause that also neuropathy yeah yeah it can cause a little bit of neuropathy it's it's a known it's not common it does say it's not common but it is listed isn't that fascinating yeah so i uh, you know i wish you know i wish that the neuropathy was like totally gone but man it's so much more improved and like my walking speed the other day, everybody was looking at me in the office and they're like, what happened to you? I, <laughs> and I come back across the floor again. I'm like, I took iodine, <laughs> you know, and they're just looking at me and they're like, what? <laughs> I mean, like, I literally am like flying through the office. That's I mean, amazing. I can't believe like even how fast I'm walking. Um, it's really weird. It is. Um, so enjoy it. I yeah, I am. And I'm I'm just going to hope for more improvement. I probably am still going to go see my physician, though, just because I don't want to overdo the supplement and cause problems trying to do a good thing. Sure. Right. So I'll, I'll probably have like my iodine levels and stuff checked that it, blood test is pretty simple, it says. So go have that done and see what we get. So cryotherapy diet yeah and now iodine is there anything else that yeah. has really supported you in recovery um the uh, at the chill zone they also have the, the led bed oh right right was it like infrared yeah. it well they the bed that they use it does have infrared in it but they they the light waves that they use is more on the green spectrum mm -hmm. and uh, there's articles you can read online about that but they're that bed uh of a common infrared bed is thor but chill zone uses a brand called arc arcc and the guy that owns that i think 
I think this is right. He is one of the founders. I, I want to say co-founder, but I think he's just one of the founders of Thor. And he broke away because his research was revealing that these other light frequencies do a better job than infrared. So, so yeah, it's, it's all the same concept and it does have a, an infrared feature, but it, it has other programs in it too. Hmm. So fascinating. Yeah. I, I, I want I often, now that I've figured out this whole iodine thing, I kind of want to go back and do, um, they have a program for adrenals, you know, because that affects your hormones too. So, you know, I kind of want to do the program for adrenals and see if it boosts anything or does anything. There you go. Yeah. You never know. So, yeah. You never know. I know the one time, the one time I did the adrenal setting on their, their, on their equipment, I did sleep better that night. So, I don't know. Surely it's connected somehow. It's got to be. I mean, they have the data. That's the, there we go. Data. Um, they have the data, you know, that shows like how their bed works and why it works in the studies that they've done. And I don't know. So, but. So what about a superpower that you've gained in your experience oh, with HSC? No. You just want to make me cry, don't you? Not at That's all. <laughs> and not, definitely not cry because I'm sad, but um, just because of the superpower. It is a superpower. Um, I am, I feel like that I am probably more grateful. And I think I've mentioned that as my superpower before. Hmm. Just the thankful and gratefulness. I mean, this having HSCT done, going from a point where you're trying to figure out the plan on what you're going to do when you finally are totally disabled, you know, to getting to this point now where you don't you don't worry about disability anymore. Like I don't worry about disability any, I feel like any more than a normal healthy person that has no disease, mm. you know, I mean, you, something life-changing can happen in your life at any point, Absolutely. which could cause you to be disabled or whatever. But when you have that diagnosis and you know what the end result is going to be, you know, if you live out your to your life expectancy, you know, you start trying to figure out a plan. I mean, at least I did. I'm like, okay, what, how am I going to do this? How, you know, so I mean, like now I'm totally grateful for everything that has happened and where I'm at now. And the fact that I am back doing ministry again and, um, I'm not doing it in the same capacity that I was doing it before, but I'm still doing the same things. I'm just, I'm just a volunteer now, you know, it's not my main responsibility. But I just you're involved again, right? I'm involved again. 
I am. So, and then not, I'm not just doing it at my church, but I'm doing it at um, a youth center in Covington. It's the more activity center. I'm, I'm involved down there now too, and helping them every Thursday night. So I go to work and then I leave work and I go down there and spend the evening with the kiddos and just kind of hang out and have some fun. One of the kids was trying to get me to race him this past week. (laughs) And I'm like, it wouldn't be a very good race. (laughs) And he was like, yeah, it would, because I'd beat you. I'm like, oh, oh, you'd beat me. You would definitely beat me, buddy. So, um, and he just kind of looked at me, and I'm like, my body just doesn't move the same as it did, you know, years ago. Mm. And um, I said, but maybe it might work again smoothly someday, and then I'll really race you. So... Anyways, there's always tomorrow. There is always tomorrow. So isn't gratitude an amazing gift? Yeah. Superpower. I mean, it, it's truly abundant. Yeah. And I think that, you know, there, there are hard times with gratitude and thankfulness, not saying that you or I or anyone else that has HSCT is better than anybody. But I just think that in general, you look at life differently Mm. because you were in this one spot and now you're over here in this spot. So you appreciate and you're more grateful and you're more thankful for things that you probably used to take for granted. And you're like, you know, this is the way it's supposed to work or this is what should happen. But you now realize, "Mm, no, I'm thankful for that. I even, I sent a big, um, I've even, I've done it more than once. I've sent multiple letters even to my employer, you know, just, you know, for all that they have done, you know, to support me, you know, through this journey and, you know, it's a lot. It's it is because you don't find employers like that very often and you know it's just I'm sure they appreciate hearing that. I hope so because it it does make a difference and you know you and I've had our discussions about employers and jobs and mm. you know struggles and things like that and you know It's that even though I've had some struggles at work where, you know, I've gotten very, I've gotten to the point a few times where I'm like, okay, I'm done. You know, I just, you know, uh, maybe it's time for me to move on. My time here is done. The thing that kept me there, kept me holding on was the fact of, I'm like, okay, but what other employer, even though you might put up with a lot of things, what what other employer out there is going to support you like this employer has? Mm. It's so, huge to have that support and not feel stressed or obligated to, you know, be extended 
in right. so in such a huge way, even with just the stress of work when you're going through such a significant medical procedure. Right. It's definitely helps to be supported. Yeah, I maybe feel... I should go talk to some employers. <laughs> Tell them how they can support their employees. Right? Maybe that's something yeah. we could do with HLCT Warriors. There we go. Talk to doctors, talk to employers. We have a whole world to conquer. Yes. In terms yes. of awareness, right? Come join us. <laughs> if you are a person that had HSCT done, yes. come join us. Good we work. need more warriors. Yeah, well, volunteers, yes. right? Who can well, yeah, share volunteers, their talents, but yeah, their time and talents and gifts to help right. us truly raise awareness. I mean, about everything. It still baffles my mind why the handicapped cells are the furthest from the bathroom door. <laughs> I want that to change. <laughs> like, why is that not a universal design change? Move them closer I... to the entrance of the restroom, please. You yeah. say that. And I'll tell you what my complaint is about restrooms. <laughs> and and this is probably more of a guy's problem than it is uh, the lady's issue. Is why would you only put one stall in a men's bathroom? Hmm. I mean, yeah, you got the urinal, but, you know, not everybody... For everybody, the urinal's not a great choice. Right. You know? Yeah. And I'm one of those people. I mean, I can, I could do, I can do the urinal, but it, it's a lot better on me if I use the rush, use the restroom, the other, the I don't know. Well, it can be, yeah. Use a stall. Right. And it just, it can be more inclusive, right? Design. Right. In general, design can be more inclusive and have a lot to learn from those of us who have battled autoimmune disease. Yeah. We need to get in with the uh, people who issue building permits. Yeah, we do. Say, hey, this is what you need to have as your minimum requirements for all new establishments. Right. And even in that new construction, I'll notice, right, they'll put the handicaps parking spot where they can put a ramp or a sloped sidewalk. But that also usually is not very convenient to the door. <laughs> no. I'm like, it's across the parking lot. Handicapped yeah. parking spaces are not just for people in wheelchairs. Right. They're not. Anyway, uh, we should get back yeah. to gratitude because that's so much more fun to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to that. So is there anything? I'm you're... sorry. No, it's yeah. my fault. I think I I <laughs> took a turn. But is there anything you're grateful uh, for that has gone unspoken about mm. your experience with HSCT? Um, wow. One is the fact that I was able to have it done at a location that was so close. Mm. I mean, like, no, it wasn't an hour or two away, but I mean, six hours is nothing, you know, to have to travel to have something like this done. I mean, I had to worry about 
flying or anything like that. Right. Yeah. So that was nice. And, you know, just the folks in Cleveland and Independence, which is another city that we stayed in that was close to Cleveland, but, you know, have been supportive. I mean, even like when I go back in October, I'll still go back to the hotel that I stayed in when I had HSCT done. Awesome. You know, like, so you're yeah, going back time. for a two year follow up? Yeah, two year follow up um, October 19th. Nice. Yeah. So the 20th is my stem cell birthday. So. On the 20th, I actually will see Dr. Cohen. On the 19th is when I have my MRI. So Nice. So, yeah, 19th and 20th, um, I'll be up there for that follow-up and um, find out what's going on at the Cleveland Clinic. There is someone that is starting their the second part of their journey, like uh, having the part where they uh, wipe out the immune system. Um, They're having that done about the same time that I'm up there. Oh, nice. You should take them a t-shirt or sticker or something. I know. That's what I want to do. And I even asked her if it was okay if I visit and she was like, sure, but I don't, I don't think the timing's going to be right because I'm afraid she's going to be neutropenic Mm. on the days that I would be up there. Right. I need to check her. I need to check with her to check her calendar again. So, yeah. It seems a little more risky with the myeloablative. Yeah, it is. Because I was, my neighbors happened to be in Chicago. And I was probably plus, like day plus three or four. Mm -hmm. Um, So pretty soon after my stem cell birthday, but they stopped by for a visit and were very surprised to see I was up and moving around and I don't know what they expected, but they were very surprised to see how well I was doing. Yeah. I know when I was there, I mean, I didn't have any surprise visitors or anything, but I know that there, of course, COVID was going on too, which that made things even more complicated. For sure. And I was only allowed to have one visitor a day that visitor could not stay overnight. So like if my mom wanted to stay all night, they said no, but she could leave the hospital. This is, this is what got me. She could leave the hospital and come back the next day, you know, right. Go be among the the germs and then come back. (laughs) Right. But I was only allowed to have that one person visit and no, you weren't allowed. Like if someone else would have showed up, that day and wanted to come and visit that would have been nope. So I don't know how the rules up there have changed. Like I know that their COVID stuff is a lot better than what it was, Mm -hmm. but I don't know like if the protocol still says that you can only have the one visitor a day. To be continued. Hmm. To be continued. Yeah. Yeah. But even if I don't get to see her in person, I definitely will drop something off while I'm up there, or figure out how to meet with whoever is up there with her. 
because I'm pretty sure she has a caregiver that's going. So nice. Yeah. Nice. We'll make it work. We'll figure it out somehow. Let me know how HSET warriors can be of support. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being involved with our organization, serving on our board as treasurer, signing papers when I need you to, (laughs) and sharing your story with us and sharing how you're doing two years post-transplant as patient number one at the Cleveland Clinic. Yeah, I will keep sharing and keep looking for those Facebook posts of people that are trying to pursue HSCT. So, and serving as a resource. Thank you for that yeah. commitment. I mean, that's that's a big deal for you to. Yes, it is. To because, to like, support others. I um, you didn't. I, you know, I didn't really have a whole lot of help until I started figuring out the whole HSCT thing. And then I used the groups to get in contact with people, you know, and then finding out that you had had it done, even though it was in Chicago and it was different, you know, it was non-Milo and you living so close. I mean, that was a huge, huge help, Mm. you know, so happy to serve. Yeah. So it's definitely good to have those resources. And now I get to be a resource to the next person. It feels good to give back. Yes, it does. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story again with us. And I hope that maybe even next year we'll get to celebrate your year three and how you're doing. Check in and see (laughs) how that's going. I think it helps people to when they're listening, right, to especially hear those tenured voices yes, and tenured stories and know that it's real. Yeah, it is. That was one of those things about Facebook that I just, even now, like who is this person behind this story or this question? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. My story, it's out there. It is, you know, I've, I still, I pay my subscription, my annual subscription and keep my website maintained. And, you know, so. Yeah, that's a big deal. And it's, Yeah, my story's out there. It tells who I am. You know, you look at that, where I was at before I had HSCT and as I am progressing along and I add to that website to keep whomever runs across it updated, you know, so they know what's going on. That's awesome. I am a real person. It's not a fake story. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) In this case, we are real people. Well, it's good to be a a human with you and figuring out this journey in life. And I really appreciate you connecting with me today to share your story again. Yeah. Thank you for checking in. So continue to take good care of yourself. And of course, we'll see you soon. Hopefully tomorrow. Well, it won't be tomorrow for listeners, but this weekend we've got our social hour and it would be great to see you there. So for anyone listening who has not joined yet, anyone is welcome to join us the last Sunday each month online for our Zoom social more than one hour because we tried to squeeze it into one hour in the beginning and that just... We need more time together. 
Yeah, we do. It's just neat. An to hour's check up, just not right? enough time. No, it's, you know, and it's just good to catch up with folks and see where they oh, are. Oh yeah, see how they're doing yeah. and what they're learning and experiencing. And anyway, oh yeah, hope to see you there. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dwayne. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.